0: If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at Your sponsorship may be tax-deductible. Would you like to start by playing a game of questions only?
1: I don't know. Would I?
0: Do you need me to explain the rules?
1: Are there rules?
0: Did you not get the document? What document? Didn't you get the PDF? Did you email it to me? Are you having trouble opening the PDF?
1: Do you think I read?
0: Do you have anything better to do?
1: God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> now,
0: now, do you want to do it with uh, questionable impressions where we each have to do, have to do a different impression every time?
1: That's too hard.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm just
1: I just I just want to play my PS4 right now. Okay.
0: That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. I'm over here like preparing my Carol Channing impression and, and my my Peter Graves and Hey, it was
1: going pretty well there for a while. It really was. It really yeah. was.
0: Uh, recently, my mother and I were playing that, and we didn't even know we were playing it, and then she called me out on it. She's like, "You didn't you didn't ask a question." And I was like, Damn it. My own mother got me. All yeah. right. All right. Well, she wins again. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, hey, welcome to How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack, for along with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the second episode of the month of February. The year is 2021. Glad you can be with us. As always, check us out on the interwebs. The address is osipfoundation.org. You can contact the show via email with the address podcast at osipfoundation.org. On social media, we're at Facebook.com slash OSEP Foundation and Twitter and Instagram are both at OSEP Foundation, hashtag how you play the game. Across the way from me on the screen, as always, is the producer, engineer, Mr. Sean Ryan. Sean, hello. How are you? I miss golf. You and me both. This snow Uh, thing has to stop.
1: I need my snow wedge and a (laughs) black golf ball, like like now.
0: Well, it is Black History Month, so. Okay. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we can... Find a way to make that fit. I guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, can we golf in snowshoes like the like the old tennis rackets that they used to put on on people's shoes? I'm down with that. All right.
1: I I, I don't know what it'll do to my form, but we'll we'll trade in the, there is
0: left of it. Yeah, like, I know. We'll trade in the golf cart for snowmobiles.
1: <laughs> that would actually be a lot of fun. I, yeah, I would imagine.
0: Imagine if you could do that while riding the snowmobile. Golf would suddenly turn into snow polo. Like
1: or yeah, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Snow polo?
0: Yeah. You know low Snow-lo. Snowlow. Snowlow. Yeah, that's okay. Uh trademark.
1: Yep. I was yeah. gonna say, I <laughs> yeah. was gonna say this is our idea. So Royalties, go please. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um we got a we got a potpourri of things to get to today and mm-hmm. um including a couple of things that I didn't tell you about that I wanted to throw at you um oh. comple- completely randomly okay. um so Some the fir- so randos if you will so first of all um this news broke just before like less than 24 hours before we started this recording um the, we had to talk about the sudden passing of ESPN baseball reporter Pedro Gomez at the oh. age of 58 um yeah. you know way too young um you know the stories are pouring in of you know, love for him, and and rightfully so. Um, the reason I wanted to talk about it was because I was watching something this morning, and Joel Sherman of the um, the New York Post and MLB Network uh, was talking about it, him and whatnot, and he mentioned the fact that you know, as journalists, they are both competitors, but you know, they, 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 he, you know, they, he said like uh, Pedro always knew how to properly walk the fine line between competition and humanity hmm. and, you know, talking about how they were competitors, but he always, you know, took, took the time to, you know, talk to his competitors and whatnot. And, you know, because, you know, Joel made it, you know, reminded us that the media is a competitive business. And as I'm listening to that, I'm starting to to think about it a little bit. And I was like, you know, when it comes to print media, whether that is in a physical form, like a newspaper or a magazine, or it's electronic via a website, whether that's on your computer, your tablet, your phone, whatever, the nature of competition changes very significantly because with, with the exception of time spent and dedicated it's not a mutually exclusive competition. It's not where your victory always equals my loss. Mm -hmm. You know, if you and I are working for different companies uh, as journalists and we each write a story for our respective companies, you know, whether, whether it's a newspaper or or internet or whatever, a a reader can read both. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not like, I have to persuade the reader to read mine over yours. You know, the only variable is the time spent. If the reader is short for time and they want information, they're going to choose one over the other. But I just, I just don't know. And maybe I'm ignorant for thinking this way, but I just don't see how that variable can play that big of a deal in a normal society, you know, now Mm -hmm. granted, I understand that a lot of this happens at the subconscious level and that these ratings and whatnot, are what drive the economics of the business. And, you know, all of those things go into it. And I'm sure that there are people who are much smarter than me who have, who have examined this. But I, when I, when I thought about that, I was like, you know, that's something that I think we should examine real quick is that in the media, especially as we've, Talk many times about sportsmanship in the media. It's important to recognize that there are a lot of facets of that world where that mutually exclusive window does not exist. You know, your victory does not always equal my defeat, and there's a there are a lot of places in life where that's the case, and we forget that. So, so in honor of you know, the tragic sudden passing of Pedro Gomez, I think it would be a good thing to remind people and to remind ourselves and whatnot to look for the places in life where that's the case and to see if you can find it, you know, more often where, where you know, there there's more of that empathy of your victory does not equal my defeat uh, and vice versa, because I think that's very important.
1: Yeah, I think that, when it comes to the reader, you're encouraged to read both stories together. And this
0: is coming from someone who doesn't read. I know. You know?
1: Like, you, you know, I think, <laughs> but I really, though, I think you're encouraged in order to get a more informed point of view, you're encouraged to read multiple outlets and mm-hmm. their versions of the story, you know? And I think that it sort of lends itself to a more open-minded reader and and someone who digests information and makes you know uh, informed decisions based on what they read so if anything you know it's not about reading one thing over the other i think i think to be a more well-rounded person you need to read multiple sources i mean mm-hmm. that's that makes that makes intrinsic sense so yes. you know i i think that um You know that sportsmanship uh, of of like you like you said with the mutually the you know someone's loss doesn't necessarily mean someone's victory and vice versa. Um, You could congratulate someone even if it's even if you equate someone reading someone else's viewpoint over yours, and if the story is that they on which they report. Is adequately expressed in their point of view you can be like wow you know I never thought of it that way or yeah. like wow you make a good point like maybe I should have mentioned that you know it, it's not it's it's about admiration and appreciation for the other party mm-hmm. you know and and I think that um, we, we there is such a thing as if you want to even call it losing I mean losing gracefully yeah. you know it's it, it's or just But I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even call it losing. If someone reads someone's like, if I, if I had two students, right. And they both wrote pretty good papers. Right. And one got a better grade than the other. It doesn't mean that the person that got the worst grade is, is terrible at what they do. No, not all the
0: time, at least. Right. Yeah.
1: But, but, but if they're both, if one got like a, a 95 and the other got a 93, you know, as Jack would say slicing the bologna really thin here Mm -hmm. (laughs) and looking at each little defining argument in their paper. I'm not going to say, well, this, the 93 is terrible. Well, no, they're both really great papers. I just favored this one because of, I don't know, it expressed certain opinions a little bit more clearly or something like that.
0: Right. Yeah. You can have any reason for that. And and in in that example, students are not competing with other with other students, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're, you know, their grades are solely dependent on their work. Right. You know, if, if another student doesn't, you know, is, 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 you know, does a better job, that doesn't mean that you lost, you have every opportunity to do the same job, right. You know, both multiple students can come in with perfect grades. That's totally acceptable. And it's the same thing here, You know. you know, and, and to sort of I guess
1: not too much of a tangent, but like in terms of grading, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that, uh, uh, one of the things that, uh, that comes to mind is in Japan, when they post grades, they post grades publicly for everyone to see like students, Mm -hmm. like everyone can see their, each other's grades. And at first thought you might think, well, that's kind of bad because it's sort of a, you know, it's sort of a violation of privacy, but if you flip it to where it's a, it's could be used as a, as a motivator because you have admiration for your peers, that's a whole nother ball game, right. you know? So it's, it's kind of, I know I don't want to get too far off topic.
0: No, but that's a, that's a good point because what that does is it, it force talk about looking at another person's mm-hmm. viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Okay. What you've just done by expressing that is you've said, okay, on one hand, yes, there, there are aspects of that method that we would look at and go, that's not right. But Mm -hmm. if you, if you recontextualize and reframe it as saying, what we're trying to do here is motivate other students to do better so that they can, you know, they can be on the same level As their peers, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: now all of a sudden we have a different battle. Now, now, granted, again, we're talking about different cultures. We're talking Mm -hmm. about things where we have we would have to sit down and really vet them and really comb through them and say what Mm -hmm. you know where does the cost benefit ratio stand with this and what and I totally get all of that. But by reframing it, what you've at least done is you've said, well, maybe there's a different viewpoint here. Now you don't have to agree with it, Mm -hmm. but. But you, you you can't say that it doesn't exist. It
1: doesn't. And there's you merit know? to it,
0: I think. I, I think. I think you could. There's certainly validity to it. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, and, and you know, to go also along these lines, you know, in the media, they talk about who's the first to get a scoop on a story and whatnot. And, you know, and reporters are told that they have to credit the reporter who has it first, so to speak. And I'm like, Okay. I mean, that's kind of like the, the citing of the sources, you know, a bibliography, if you will. And I totally get that. But have we gone too far where doing that, you know, shows who won and who lost? And I, you know, it's it's not that we should stop doing that because I think that there's it's important to cite who had the story for, for those purposes, but we should at least be thinking about reframing it in a way of saying, this is not about winners and losers. This is not about who had the scoop first. This is about properly citing sources so that we're not, you know, uh, plagiarizing and, and and so on and so forth. That's what's really important here.
1: And what if the person who got it first missed a lot of the facts? Yep. You know, you do want it fast or do you want it right?
0: Yeah, you know that's so, a great point
1: so if you if if the person you know because what if someone else comes along and says hold on wait a minute yeah we just found out we just found this out right and this you know doesn't jive with what your version of the story is so we have to change it right so do those edits then belong to the new reporter that's i that's, think yeah I, when you look at it like that I think it's more of a collaboration more yes. than anything else.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. We have, to, what we, it's, it's not about changing the system. It's about reframing and recontextualizing, mm-hmm. you know, telling, telling ourselves that, no, you're not the problem. Maybe the issue is that I need to expand or modify myself, which is a lot easier to do. You know, mm-hmm. we always say that, you know, where we can't change other people, but what we can do is we can change ourselves a lot. Right. You know, or we or can. our way in- of thinking. Exactly. And we can influence other people to change by, by leading by example. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so, so, you know, and, and, and to kind of put a bow on it, you know, these, these journalists have a hard time because they're caught between reporting facts and edifying on those, those facts, you know, um, it's, you know, you, you can scroll through a beat reporter's Twitter timeline and they'll have things like, well, okay, so-and-so was signed to, uh, you know, a five-year deal for this amount of money. Okay, that's 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 basically a, a fact. That's not an editorial. But then it can also say, like, by this person signing, it kind of takes this team out of the sweepstakes for this player and whatnot. And you're like, okay, we're start you know, that may end up being true, but it's it's kind of an editorial because you don't know what else that team could do. You know, you are reporting, a, you know, an opinion that may or may not be true. You know, all signs might point to it being true, mm-hmm. but you can't say with 100% certainty that. And we have to, I think we have to remember that as well, especially like you talked about do you want it faster? Do you want it right? You know, a, a services like Twitter only give you 280 characters. So, you and, you know, and people people want to just see the bare facts and don't want to take the time to read this stuff. So it's you're playing into the hands of the wrong people and the wrong things when you forget that your job is to report facts not necessarily to opine on those facts unless right. that is the given you know assignment you know if you're writing an op-ed piece then yeah obviously that's what right. you're it's what you're supposed to be doing
1: and and i think it's a matter of you know it it all boils down to i mean i get it it's a business yep right you mm-hmm. need to make money you need to be a little flashy but like you said that's what op-eds are for right and i think like <sighs> You know, you you yes, you do want to make money as a media, as a media giant, or even a someone a, a smaller, uh, a smaller source. Mm-hmm. Uh, you 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 want to make money, but at what expense? Because then you, you're, you're by misinforming people. That's yeah. not very sportsmanlike, and right? Honestly, that's that's dangerous.
0: Yes, it's and it's as <laughs> it's as simple as saying. In my opinion, and this is just me talking. Mm -hmm. Okay. When you, if you like, if you're doing a TV interview that's live and, you know, and someone asks you that, you know, it's it's as simple as saying, look, in my opinion, the old Tim McCarver, in my view. view. Okay. (laughs) And as long as you say, this is just me, all of a sudden you change the context and you say, okay, this person is solely offering their opinion. And that's Mm -hmm. totally fine so long as that's allowed here. Okay. If they're supposed to be reporting facts and then they say and then they don't say that and they just start opining on it, it's a different story. And and we that's where we get into trouble. Don't report things that you think are true or what you think will happen under the guise of this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Just you just don't do it. Right, you know, just just talk, to, just say, look, this is what I think is going to happen. This is how I look at it, and you mm-hmm. can take it or leave it. Right, because as soon as you do that, it's like, okay, you're allowed to have that opinion. Sure, even even if it's blatantly wrong. Right, you know, you're 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 kind of allowed to have
1: it. You know, there's. I mean, this is why we have that. This is why we have that express written thing or the the thing at the, the beginning disclaimer. of our episode. The episode. Exactly. Yeah, you know because. You're free to express your opinion, and, and it right. doesn't it doesn't necessarily reflect on the rest of the people who are reporting or mm-hmm. the rest of the the organization. But it's just you're you're free to have that opinion, and people right. are free to disagree with you. So it's just you know, At, it's how, and it's how you express it too. Right. You know you don't want to say you you don't want to. You do want to. Uh, it's obviously pre- preferable if you back your opinion with with facts and, right. and research, but I mean, because then you can have a spirited argument about right. it. But 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 you know it. You can express. You have the freedom to express your opinion, but you also are. You also have a responsibility, to, uh, to defend what you're arguing for.
0: Right, right. At the same for that time. you are arguing. For what? For that what are you
1: arguing. <laughs> ah, you. Yeah, you, you.
0: <laughs> Mimsy. <laughs> Shut up, Mimsy. <laughs> um, a little South Park for Yeah. I, lo- um, I love it. Yeah, and, but <laughs> you know, but that kind of speaks to like you know we've we've talked in the past about you know we've used Chris Russo as an ex- as an example on the MLB Network as he you know, destroys umpires. And, you know, that's an example of you're allowed to have the opinion, but the the fact of the matter is that the research of what goes into the job and all of these things is out there. And you are basically just discarding the truth for your own opinion. You Mm -hmm. know, you you think back to um, the 2019 World Series between the Nationals and the Astros. And in game six, there was that call By Sam Holbrook behind the plate of uh, Trey Turner's runner's lane interference. And, you know, everyone was talking about Sam Holbrook's a terrible umpire. He shouldn't have called that this, that, the other, blah, 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 blah. The fact of the matter is that on every umpire, you know, uh, website and, and, and chat room, et cetera, we all knew it was the right call Mm -hmm. and the media was destroying him. And as much as I, my personal opinion is that I don't particularly care for the opinions of someone like Harold Reynolds on the MLB network. Mm -hmm. Um, He actually got this one right where he said in, you know, a post game wrap up, the call was right. If you don't like it, hate the rule, call the rule stupid. You can make that argument. You can Mm -hmm. totally say that that rule is dumb and we don't need it. Okay. But you can't come down on Sam Holbrook for, properly enforcing that rule. That's that's mm-hmm. irresponsible. So so it just goes to show you that you're allowed to have your opinion but that opinion still has to fit into a framework of some necessary truths otherwise mm-hmm. you 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 lose credibility.
1: You have no argument.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So all of this stems from the tragic passing of Pedro Gomez and our thoughts and prayers certainly go out to his family and loved ones in mm-hmm. and and whatnot. And uh, we will certainly miss uh, Pedro's reporting on on baseball. Um, the other thing I wanted to throw at you before we got to the topics that I did throw at you. Mm-hmm. Um, our COO, Caitlin, was listening to our uh, previous episode where we interviewed Jamie Madigan, And, and, and I was surprised because that means that she was actually doing something. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to hell. Um, Sportsmanship. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) President of the Osa Foundation, everyone. (laughs) But she, she brought up a good point as she was taught, as she was telling me about it, where she said, you know, you talk about people who, who cheat, like by looking at strategy guides or by, um, buying the, the mods and things like that in order to, to beat the game and things like that. And how are you like, are you really, you know, winning by doing that? Are you really proving anything? Blah, 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 blah. And she said the one that always hit her would be like Spark Notes, where you could basically buy papers for, for your school assignments.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she said, you know, she said, that is very rampant. And, and who are you really helping? Who are you really cheating when, when, when you do something like that? You're right. cheating yourself. You're not, you're, not doing, you're not helping anybody by doing that. You're right. hurting yourself, if anything, because what you're doing is you're bypassing something where you can actually gain something from it and replacing it with you know, just throwing money at the problem. Mm-hmm. And the cost-benefit ratio doesn't add up. So so I, I I found that to be very interesting is that we, we can relate that to, you know, our lives even more so outside of video games.
1: You know what i just thought of? Have What's you ever that? seen Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield? A
0: long time ago. Yes.
1: Where, you know, he was he used all his money to hire all these consultants and mm-hmm. like, in different fields of study to write papers and right. everything like that's the first thing I thought of. And right. You know, it's. It is, um, but it's that's a kind of a sad reality today.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, um, you know, SparkNotes. At least when we were in school, when dinosaurs ro- roamed the earth, the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, um, my initial takeaway from it, and I, I, I never used SparkNotes to be mm-hmm. honest with you, but it was designed to be footnotes that provided a synopsis for the story right which to a certain extent that's okay
0: that's like using the cliff's notes or as we call colloquially call it cliff notes yeah you know <laughs> cliff's notes notes exactly cliff but that's notes. exactly big
1: red dogs well, oh yeah he,
0: <laughs> listen he's a big red dog we can certainly have him read and write papers yeah i mean let's get in the game here folks what is but, this uh, amateur night yeah <laughs> But I think I think there's certainly
1: a, uh, I think there's certainly a a, a, an, a, a value uh, to to at least providing an overview for a story yeah. so mm-hmm. that you can go into it knowing um, what to expect. And that's fine. Yeah, um, because I mean, reading comprehension, depending on the story, it can be pretty difficult because you know especially for someone especially if you have to read a lot yeah over a short period of time which i had to do in college it's a miracle that i made it
0: i'm a, i'm with I, you
1: because I, I hate to read
0: I, I just didn't read that was the weird thing <laughs> i don't know how <laughs> i got a master's degree
1: i know but but i think i think that you know there is some merit to providing a synopsis to yeah. a story and then and then using that as the framework for understanding the story. That's okay. I agree. Um, So, but yeah, but as far as paying someone else to write you a paper, that's, that's, that's overboard.
0: It's like, what's work you should really be doing on your own. Getting, getting the cliff notes is essentially kind of like extra tutoring. You know, if you're having Mm -hmm. problems with something, someone and you bring in someone else to help you better understand it, that's kind of the same thing to a certain degree. Right. You know, um, I'll, the one I'll always remember that I did uh, was um, the Odyssey. You know, going through high school, I think the only the only time that I ever like truly, quote unquote, gave up and I was like, I gotta rely on the Cliff notes here was the Odyssey mm-hmm. because of the 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 style in which it was written. I, I just you know'm I'm, I'm, I'm friggin 14, 15 years old trying to follow that yeah you know and I I think it was around baseball season too so I was just like oh my god this is this is just not happening you know Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I did it again for uh, the grapes of wrath but that was because I was sick and I had to uh, meet a deadline for a paper or something like that and I was like there's no you know if I don't want to relapse in whatever virus I had at the time which was probably COVID back in May of two thousand one. Yeah. Um, you know that you know, I was like, I got, I got to read the cliff notes for the last two chapters in okay. order to, you know, not relapse. Okay, yeah. that 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 was a totally different story. But you know, so but the, the fact of the matter is that for the Odyssey, you know, that was the that was the equivalent for me of bringing in an extra tutor to help me better understand this. Right. And then what I could do is I could flip through the book after reading that going, Oh, that's what's happening here. You know, mm-hmm. I thought, I thought Homer was talking with Marge, mm-hmm. you know, and I was way off. <laughs> Here's the thing. Yeah. Like it, there's a
1: difference between like with tutoring, right. Or with, if the intrinsic value in Paying someone or paying something to help you versus paying for the object which will be granted to you without doing work is the difference. You know, you have to, when you pay a tutor or a teacher, as you know, and we're in this field, they are providing you with the tools to succeed on your own. Yes. Yes. Because that's what this is. That's education, right? That's, that is value. There's value in that. But if you are be, if you are paying someone to do the work for you, so that you don't even have to think about it, there is no intrinsic value. It's a poor investment. Yeah, it's a poor investment because you're not mentally enriching yourself. Right? The, right. the the process of working through something on your own with the guidance that you provided that you paid for, for which you paid, is is better because you get something out of it.
0: If you and I are contracted to assist a student to, you know, become a better saxophone player, that's one thing. If we are contracted to pre-record the saxophone etude for them so that it plays while they're pretending to play the saxophone. Right. That's wrong. Yep. So that's the equivalent of it. Yep, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. Good talk. So <laughs> I got to, tra- let's transition.
1: <laughs> uh, okay. <You>
0: know? <laughs> so thank you, Caitlin, for, uh, for, for bringing that to our attention. I thought that was a very good contribution. Yeah. Um, this one has been sitting on my proverbial uh, laptop with a tab open and I was trying to get this person on, but it was—I knew it was going to be tough. Um, retired Major League umpire Larry Young, um, who I think is, 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 has been diagnosed as cancer-free now, but you know the dude is pushing an age, and he's, he's been retired for some time. Uh, and 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 I know that he had just gone through a cancer battle, so I was like, if I can't get this guy, it's not the end of the world. I understand, mm-hmm. um, but I did want to. Uh, give him some credit for what he did. He wrote a children's book for his grandkids called "The Ump Is a Grump."
1: Mm.
0: Okay, and it's actually available for free. Uh, the the site I'm looking at is uh, fliphtml5.com. I think, um, but I'm sure that if you just you know search for "The Ump Is a Grump," you'll find it, um, and basically what it does is it tells this illustrated children's story about Bo who is a kid on a, on a little league team who i believe is it's also the name of one of his grandkids hmm. and it takes you through you know what could be considered bad calls by an umpire and this kid Bo then takes a closer look at the umpire and realizes, "Hey, wait a second! That's that's my gym teacher who's the umpire. Mm-hmm. He's he he taught me how to play baseball. I don't think he's a he's a bad dude, you know." In the next game, another situation comes up, you know, and the whole thing. And he looks again and wait a second. This is the, this is a, one of my favorite employees at the post office. You know who gives me stickers? She's not a bad dude or a bad dudette. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, in the next in the next game, I right, Bo strikes out looking, and they're all complaining and whatnot. And the umpire turns out to be a police officer. And and in this case, the police officer turns around and says to the the kid the the parents, you know, you you guys are teaching these players to be really bad sports, and. The whole thing is basically, you know, it's fun to play baseball, but it's no fun yelling at an umpire. And they found out that the umpire is not a grump. You know, these are all people. These are all human beings. These are all, they, they all have day jobs. They all have other roles in the community, you know, and you can, you can disagree without insulting, you know? So, so I, I just wanted to, to give him some, some love for this because, you know the book is, in in my opinion, it's a really great kids' book. You know, you can read it to you know a kid as they're you know laying in bed and whatnot. Show them the pictures. It's very well illustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so so I, I wanted to to you know give give Larry some some credit for that. That's that's a really good thing to do. You know, and and Larry was around for a long time in MLB mm-hmm. and is a is a supervisor for MLB umpires now. Um, you know, so so just 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 a, uh, a plug to that. The book is available for free. You know, if you want to download, I'm looking it.
1: at it right now. Yeah,
0: download it, print it out. What whatever. A great, you know.
1: what a great story.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's yeah, it's it's just fantastic. And we need more of this. You know, uh, it's it's probably not easy for people to write children's books. Believe me, I think I had to try doing that in my senior year of high school in a creative writing class and it was th- my it was the worst project that I did mm. um but this is th- th- you know this this is this is just fantastic so um if you're looking for a kid's book or something like that I recommend this one
1: I wrote a children's
0: book really in sixth grade do I do I dare ask it was called the
1: Christmas tree from hell oh sh- and it was it we were supposed to read it to <laughs> we're supposed to read it to kindergartners. And uh it was uh it was a story of a Christmas tree who saw all his brothers getting cut down. Okay. And so he was he was cut down and they still, you know, they put his roots in water, the trunk in water. Right. Right. So they put him in the and it was a bunch of barnyard animals that took him in. So it was like a fable, really. Right. So the the Christmas tree was in the barn and it looked all pretty and everything but then it came to life and it was angry that its brothers his brothers were cut down. So he you know he starts wreaking havoc on the farm animals. And uh then um the pig tossed gasoline on the fu- uh, oh, on the tree and lit it on fire and okay. everyone enjoyed the toasty fire for Christmas.
0: And did they forward you the copays for the psychology bill or <laughs>
1: Well, needless to say, halfway through reading that book, uh, they pulled me aside and was like, this isn't this isn't really a book for children. I'm like, but it's but it's fun. Like, yeah, but it's not a book for children. Well,
0: well, more so (laughs) shame on the the teachers for not proofing it, you know, before you read it.
1: It's their fault.
0: Right. You're in sixth grade. You can't yeah. be held ac- accountable for that. Right. I'll, let me let me go along the same lines. When I was in sixth grade, I had to do something very similar to that. They had a um, there was this thing where they said, uh, you know, they, they, they my English teacher would you know read us this you know this story about. Uh, Christmas where it was you know like a talking Christmas tree or something says don't believe all that stuff about Santa and this that the other I'll tell you how it really happened you know something like that Mm -hmm. and then we he said okay you everyone has to write a story now that's kind of along the same lines of don't believe this let me tell you how it really happened and like kind of kind of like really you know go off of that oh no I didn't even get to the end of the premise before my teacher was like yeah we're not we're gonna stop you right there and just not have you do the assignment um because for whatever reason and that you're talking about someone who's a very spiritual person i wrote in sixth grade at the age of what 11 mm-hmm. a christmas tree was saying don't believe all that stuff about how the lord was given to mary and joseph And, you know, celebrate the birth of Christ and this, that, the, you know, Mm. really like laying into the stuff that I learned in church. And it's like, I'll tell you how it really happened. And my teacher was just like, yeah, we're going to stop you right there. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) So that's great. Yeah. So, so (laughs) that was definitely a, uh, yeah, I look back on that. And the the worst part was that I actually, and as this is someone who studied Scripture to the degree that I have, you know especially collegiately, you know in if you read um, the Bible or you know Christian Scripture and even Hebrew Scripture, you know in the Old Testament, the word Lord sometimes uh, appears in uh, these these this weird font that's all capitals and you can clearly see that it's different from the rest of the type. Hmm. Okay. And you kinda of, as a kid, you're looking at it and you're like, what is that? Well, it turns out that's that's a translation of the word Adonai, which means Lord. Um, but it can it it, it has a, a much more Hebrew meaning hmm. than than what we were than what we know it as. Hmm. So, you know, but but there's a reason that they they put it in that different font, basically, hmm. as a result of that. So as I'm writing this premise. I'm using the word Lord, but in all capitals, you know, and purposely trying with my pencil to write, like write it in the different font as I'm writing this premise of this Christmas tree saying, don't believe the fact that the Lord was given to Mary and Joseph and born on this day. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. So, so because of that, I will be drinking tonight. (laughs) You know, the teacher probably should have just come up to me in sixth grade and gone, "Shut up, Mimsy." <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you'd have no idea. I no like your South Park is still, you know, three years away at this point. Yeah. So, and Mimsy doesn't even show up for a while after that. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so moving on from Larry Young's Christmas or Larry Young's children's <laughs> book and our horrible Christmas stories, mm-hmm. um, this one came across my desk last night as I was searching because I wanted to make sure that we didn't miss anything sportsmanlike like from the Super Bowl. And I saw this and I was like, oh, this is a, this is a good one. This is a good sportsmanship story. So there's a, there's a game of soccer, or as they call it, football, mm-hmm. over in Italy. And there's, a, there's a, an incident where uh, a player goes down uh, on the turf in something that looks like an opponent may have tripped him, okay? Mm. Which in this circumstance would have resulted in a yellow card. And the player who went down, uh, Andrea uh, Bellotti, he immediately, as soon as he came up, was actually waving his finger at the official to say, I know what you're going to do. You're gonna give the yellow card to this guy, and he's saying he didn't trip me. I tripped myself. He said. He said. He said. I that was not him at all. Rescind the yellow card. Like he, the, the the guy actually took the ref actually took the yellow card out, and this guy Bilotti, said, "No, no, 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 no. I'm telling you, this would give my team an advantage if I accept. If we if we get this yellow card, I'm like he didn't trip me. I fell." Totally on, on me. And the replay showed it was correct. Hmm. So, so you, know, it was the ref, you know, the ref has a, has a weird angle when this kind of stuff happens, hmm. um, which is why there's, you know, there can be so much politicking and whatnot. But this dude came up and said, no, 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 no. It's, it's, he didn't trip. It's not that. And he actually was given a free, uh, a free kick as a result of this, hmm. which would have been basically, you know, like a, a, an easy goal based upon where this occurred. And even though they rescinded the yellow card, he still gets the free kick. Well, he thought to himself, now, this it's not right for me to take this free kick when there is no penalty, no infraction. He didn't do anything wrong, I'm not taking this. So he literally instead of trying to score the goal, passes it to the other team's goalkeeper and just says, "Here you go." And 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 let's let's play on. And and the and the the guy who had the card rescinded came over and, and shake, shook his hand and whatnot and said thank you and it was it was pure sportsmanship like if wow. you if you look this up uh, you know I'm looking at the at SportBible.com right now uh, story was written by Alex Reed um, but I mean there there are Twitter. Um, And this happened this, this year, right? Yeah. This happened. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Not three years ago. (laughs) The the story, the story occurred on uh, February 6th. Okay. So, so when I, when I saw that I was, you know, and there and the, some of the Twitter uh, pieces that were quoted all had the same, you know, timestamp and whatnot. So I was, I was very, very shocked when I saw that you know soccer or as they call it football Mm -hmm. is a tough game professionally and internationally because the acting is a part of it which is which is not my favorite part you know I'm not really hurt but I'm staying down in order to try and gain an advantage and this guy got up and said no don't give my opponent the yellow card he didn't trip me I tripped myself. I stumbled over my own two feet. So it was really and here and and talk about how this works out. The guy who tripped, Bilotti, his team at the time was losing three nil. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's down three goals to no goals. And he could have easily taken this free kick and made it three one. Right. Okay. They come back to to tie the game later on. And it ends in a draw three, three, Yep. you know, basically saying the, the, you know, if we're going to win, if we're going to lose, whatever the case may be, we want to do it fairly. And it shows you, you know, we talk about it a lot, how when, you know, good sportsmanship yields victories on the field. And although this wasn't a victory, it was a draw three nil is a tough score to come back from in soccer yeah in, in in you know in football for them and right. um the fact that they were able to do that and and end the game in a in a draw of 3-3 shows you know like like that you know I don't want to go with michael case you know predetermined outcome fallacy but <laughs> just goes to show you you know it's it, it, the proof is kind of in the pudding so to speak right you know so i wanted to throw that out there too um what a re- great story a fantastic story uh, final story of the day. This is the biggie. You save the best for last. Mm. Um, this is a, an editorial from our good friend Gil Ember over at Close Call Sports in the Umpire Ejection Fantasy League. So recently, there were allegations against Mickey Calloway, who is currently the pitching coach for the Los Angeles Angels, although he is currently suspended due to these pending allegations. <laughs> um, he previously was the manager for the New York Mets. And before that, he was the pitching coach for the Cleveland Indians. And the allegations come from five different alleged female reporter victims who said, who, who, who basically claimed that he acted inappropriately, uh, in various ways. One way said that, uh, he tried to jokingly shove his crotch into her face Mm -hmm. uh in one way he uh sent topless pictures of himself to a female reporter and asked for topless pictures back Mm -hmm. and in a third way he propositioned a reporter by saying if you go out with with me for drinks i'll give you insider information on the team Mm -hmm. so again these are allegations we don't know the severity of it he uh callaway has been suspended pending the investigation as they look into this okay, okay. the reason that gill decided to look at this is because the and i'm quoting from his his story here on close call sports an abusive person's misconduct during a game occurs on the field directed at people who wear a certain uniform while the abuse off the field is largely directed at people who share a certain personal characteristic okay in order to weed out the latter, which society at large seems to have formed a consensus as a largely unacceptable act, could perchance, addressing the former, which society at large seems to somehow be okay with, prove an effective countermeasure. The point being here is that, okay, so they've made all these allegations and the story has broken, blah, 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 blah. blah. Every time the story is reported on on television or on a website or something like that, and they use B-roll camera footage, okay? That footage usually entails Mickey Calloway arguing with an umpire and getting ejected, mm-hmm. okay? So the question is, why is it that his conduct off the field is not okay? Allegedly, if, if this is if this happened, mm-hmm. but his conduct on the field is OK. Mm. Why, as a society, have we decided that the abuse of an a sports official is OK, but the abuse of a sports reporter is not? Mm. And, and he basically is saying why, you know, umpires have tried to stop this and as a society this is tough we have we have this movement of 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 trying to change the you know the 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 context and 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 whatnot of you know alleged abuse behind the scenes Mm -hmm. okay we've we've you know the the me too movement the whole thing like all of this stuff is very prevalent right now whether you agree Mm -hmm. with it or not i think we can report factually as we just talked about earlier in the show that it's a thing Mm -hmm. and that it has momentum and that it's a big deal whether you agree with it or not Mm -hmm. why is it that that gets all of our attention and and support so to speak but the stuff that's equally as important that's happening on the field is not is is perfectly fine gets nothing interesting you know and and he said basically um this is towards the end of his article and i quote again and thus in order for quote no means no end quote to work off the field it must also work on the field and be backed up by those in charge if the powers that be continue to be unable to do so this systemic abuse in whatever form it might take will undoubtedly continue Mm. end quote so I I, I found it to be very powerful because what he's not doing here is saying that the stuff off the field is okay. What he's saying is that as we try to make a difference off the field, we're not making a difference on the field, Mm -hmm. and as a result of that, the stuff that's off the field is going to never go away. Right. You know, we're we're missing the whole point here.
1: There's multiple sides to this because on one hand, there's documented footage of of uh, Callaway. Yeah. Of Callaway arguing with umpires, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yet, what happens off the field are allegations. Right. So we don't even know 100% if those really happen. That's true too. Now, on the flip side, what happened off the field? if true is pretty, could be illegal.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: What happens on the field isn't necessarily against the law. Right. So it's, it, it is, uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm speaking from a purely, uh, you know, like a third party here. Right. I'm not, I'm not, you know, thinking one way or the other, but it's, uh, I feel like in this society, in this overar- you know, more overarching point of view, is that we're, we have to choose sides. And that's the mentality of this. And I, I disagree with that. Because yeah. it, it's...
0: There's a lack of ambivalence.
1: If you... It, we are living in a society now where if you don't fall into the cookie-cutter narrative, Mm -hmm. you are considered an extremist. Or you are considered, you know, this or that. And there is, you know, to me, it feels like there's there's definitely a lack of accountability thinking like that. And I think there is, I really think that you know, just because you don't think wh- you don't think one thing doesn't necessarily you think the other. Right. I, you know, it it's I think you can take both sides of this and combine them together and say, well, yeah, of course, you know, those actions off the field are, are unacceptable and should be and if found if 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 substantiated, he should face consequences for that. Right. Absolutely. There's no question in my mind that that's what that that's what the outcome should be however that doesn't recuse him from what we actually see going on on the field that's well documented right there's abuse towards officials and there should be an accountability for that as well right to whatever extent that to to whatever extent those consequences
0: are right
1: you know so um I mean I I, under, I understand the point of view from both sides. Right. But I think I, I definitely think Gil makes a pretty good point in that just because we just because we uh you know we cast a negative cloud over one thing doesn't necessarily mean we should completely ignore the other half of
0: it. Well, right. you know, what's what's funny is we know we don't need to look any further than some of the stuff happening now with COVID. To to see that. I mean, let's take the vaccine as an example. Okay. Just because somebody doesn't want to get the vaccine, that does not make them automatically part of a group of people who need to be despised. You know, like, like or, or anti-vaxxers or exactly. Whatever. Yeah, they're not anti-vaxxers still all of a new. sudden. Exactly. It's, I mean, in
1: their defense, I I mean, there's they they're, they're it is a new vaccine, yes. so we don't know that much about it yet. Right, we
0: have we have specifically sacrificed knowledge of long term effects in the name of ending, trying to end a pandemic. Right, which which is a, which is what we as a society have agreed to do. It's mm-hmm. it's you know that that can't be argued. You know right. whether or not that's the right move that that can obviously be debated, and that's where a lot of these opinions come in. And if someone tells you. I don't really want to get the vaccine yet because I'm scared of it being too new. We don't know stuff about it. That doesn't make them an anti-vaxxer. All of a sudden, right. they could have every vaccine in the book except this one, you know?
1: But here's the flip side to it. Okay. There are still consequences. You yes. could still. So here's the thing. Like, you can elect not to have the vaccine. Right? right. And that's completely within your rights and your legal, you know, within the legal scope. Yes. Right. But that's not to say there wouldn't be social consequences for that. Right. And 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 you know if let's say you work in an industry where you are surrounded by people who ha- who are sick. Yeah. Like whether that's a healthcare worker or whether you're a teacher or whether you're and if you're refusing to get the vaccine, then well, that's not necessarily going to stop your job from saying, "Hey, look, you know."
0: <laughs> especially if it's in the private sector. Exactly. You know, yeah.
1: you know it's it, it, so, so there are consequences for that. And, and all the, you have the right not to get it, but at the same time, it's that, like your private job has also the right to to say,
0: eh, I don't know if I can let you in here if you don't right. do that. You know, now, right. granted, you know, there we could get into, you know, reasonable accommodations and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. based on the nature of the job. And obviously, I'm sure they take it on a case by case basis. But if, for example, colleges and universities mandate that their incoming students all get X vaccine, you know, was mm-hmm. it meningitis or what, You know, whatever, however many vaccines you had to get before you started your freshman year of college mm-hmm. or, you know, or whatever the case may be. It's kind of the same thing here, right. you know, on, 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 a, on a social scope away from, you know, the workplace, if you choose not to get the vaccine, it's kind of the same thing where it's like, okay, but then remember that there could be other people out there that don't feel comfortable hanging out with you then, you right. know? And again, this, that's kind of a grotesque way of looking at it right. we, because we can slice this however we want, but the idea is the same. Mm -hmm. You know, so so in this case, you know, with with regard to the Callaway story, you know, the the other thing I was going to say was that, you know, you talk about the legality of it. And what really changes here is just the context of the legality, because when Callaway or anyone comes on the field and argues to the point of an ejection, what they have essentially done is they have violated a, a law. It's just that that law is not on the societal scope of legality that you know punishable by criminal offenses it's the law of the baseball rule book which is punishable by disqualification and injection Mm -hmm. okay so all that you know so so if you if you take away the you know the context behind both all of a sudden you have an infringement in uh, uh, against the rules Mm -hmm. in both cases Mm -hmm. and 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 I'm sure that there are people who are saying, well, what he did off the field, that's of a bigger consequence, if this is true, mm-hmm. than on the field. And I would say, nay, nay, because although he might not have directly, you know, done something to the same scale that we perceive off the field, if true, here are the, here's a list of things that he could have done on the field or could have occurred as a result of his on-field actions. Maybe the official was hurt by something that he said and that he, he took that home with him and that you know that that caused him to feel abused mm-hmm. maybe his actions on the field reinforced the fact to other people fans you know, uh, other observers, whatever, that that type of behavior is acceptable and then that goes off the field to, you know, a little league field and a, and a coach is going to abuse an umpire on a little league field because he saw Mickey Calloway do it, therefore it's okay for him to do. And that official on that little league field is not a professional and does not, you know, not that a professional official be, deserves to get abused, but we all know that that context could be considered slightly different than what's happening on that little league field. You know, you official abuse that happens on these lower levels is what's killing the game because now you've got no people nobody who wants to officiate your your games are getting canceled as a result of it and umpires and other officials are suffering a lot of abuse because of it so so the fact of the matter is that no by by arguing on the field did mickey calloway do something potentially as egregious directly as his accusations where he you know basically uh, assaulted females no but indirectly he may have caused an even bigger problem because it's now a systemic abuse that's perpetuated because he's saying that this type of behavior is okay. So why is it that we lack the consistency to say, this type of abuse is not okay, but this type of abuse is okay, Mm -hmm. simply because we look at the context slightly differently. And that's where we say, time out, hold up. We got to take a step back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again it's I think people are failing to see the bigger picture yeah it's you know it's uh it's a matter of being able to see a few moves ahead you know if if what you're doing on the field is affecting those who are younger or other coaches and players and saying oh if he does it I can do it right you know that's yeah of course
0: you got 50,000 in the ballpark each night and god knows how many people watching on tv or listening on the radio
1: right so um you know that's that's definitely an. that's definitely a a a, a, a systemic issue mm-hmm. that can occur at all levels of play and um that that sort of i think it's i think it's the culture that develops around it yeah. that i think is really toxic um because that can that's just poor sportsmanship in every in, in every scope of the term yeah. i mean it's like you 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 cannot look at that as a positive example right. you no matter how you slice it. you can't I mean there are other ways to stand up for your team. Mm-hmm. you know you, you, you don't you don't say as a manager, well, I did that to stand up for my team.
0: To protect my players to
1: protect my players. Yeah. well, you know how you protect your players, you motivate them. yeah and you say, hey, let's not let this get us down. let's win. And we'll talk about it afterwards.
0: Yeah. You tell them to shut up. You tell them don't get yourself ejected. I'm not going out there and paying a fine and getting ejected be- so that right. you can stay in this game. That's that that psychology is so old and yeah. so outdated that right. uh, you know if we're if we can't if we can't fix that, what does that say? Right. You know?
1: Exactly. So because the very element at which you th- use to uh to keep someone in the game is you're still it's still a bad reflection on you. Yeah, you know when you when you argue uh, something, which could be as, as small as a you know safe or out call yeah. or, or or a strike or you know I I, I think that um, the the culture that surrounds it. And that is is projected onto the fans. And in turn, they have issues. Because a lot of times what the manager does is reciprocated by the fans. Yeah. You know? Oh, and then then the fans get involved. And now they're talking shit about about the umpire. And then that expands... The ump
0: is a grump. And then (laughs) then
1: that expands to their families and their friends. And everyone gets... This mob mentality starts up. And that negative uh that negative space is then expanded and that yeah that's pretty egregious yeah um when you think of the overall uh the overall consequence and the overall expansion of that consequence so i could definitely see that for sure
0: here's here's how you protect your players based upon that psychology with good intentions close call yada 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 players arguing okay you rush out there as the manager and your job then is to get the umpire away from the player or the player away from the umpire okay you can kind of do it either way you can say you can either you know the you can kind of tell the player like you know get, in, get between the player and the umpire and get the player out of there Blah 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 you know that to me that kind of you know does only does so good of a job you kind of need other people then to get in there and your job as a manager then should be to go over to the umpire and say hey walk with me this way so let's talk let's talk about it you and me you know in the other directions so that my play my my staff can properly get this player away before he says Mm -hmm. something that's that he'll regret Right. you know um and we can talk about it maturely and whatnot and we can talk about it in a way where you know, I don't have to get myself ejected so that I can protect my player and he can stay in the game. Right. You know, it's not rocket science. And if the player then keeps spouting off and says something to get ejected, well, then he deserved it. And after the game, you, you sit him down and you say, I know you're a grown man. I know you're making, you know, 10 times my salary. Grow up. Right. Grow up. You are playing a game for a living. You are a role model to people. Stop this.
1: Yeah just keep your
0: head down and play. Yeah, I mean, you, that's, you can that's disagree what you're paid the big bucks to do. <laughs> you can you can totally disagree. That's fine. Okay? Just stop it with this extraneous BS. Right. Extraneous BS by the way is the name of my upcoming autobiography. Oh. Wow. So, yeah.
1: You got you got a lot of work
0: to do. Well, it's not How like we're doing anything happen? else right now, so That's true. Um I think that kind of puts a bow on it sounds good to me so uh we talked about a lot of good stuff today so sean thank you as always of course and uh as always everybody check us out at osipfoundation.org the email address is podcast at osipfoundation.org facebook.com slash osipfoundation twitter and instagram at OSIPFoundation, hashtag how you play the game we'll talk to you in just a few short weeks until then everybody treat each other with respect how you play the game is a production of the osip foundation incorporated the producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osafoundation.org.